we might as well just get right into it. Uh, welcome on to the seventh episode of the Joke World podcast. Uh, amazing guest today. You all know him, love him. You see him on Netflix. Uh, Netflix is a joke festival. Touring comedian all over the country, Dusty Slay. All right. Thanks for having me. I'm pumped to be here. Thank you. You know, we talked about all these technical difficulties and even now right on the video is if I look down, the circles are gone, but my face is dark. But if I look up, boom, now there's circles in my eyes. Yeah, you look the same here both ways, but it it does kind of maybe change a little bit. And we're talking just how that happened right when I started introducing you. My background went from the logo I had to a blue screen, literally right as I was introducing you. So I'm going to just sl- flip that over real quick. It's funny we're talking yeah. about technical difficulties. And- there we go. Your audio is so very low for me, and I don't know why um, that is. But, you- the audio? but I still hear you. It's just very low. Maybe. Is this more? Is this more? It sounds okay, about well, we're the same. Get it's through. okay. All right. I'll just, I'll try just to really re- listen intently. <laughs> yeah, it'll be a listening uh, challenge. But this is how it is doing these podcasts on Zoom. Um, a lot of technical difficulties, but we'll, we'll be able to get through it, I think. Have you been doing a lot of podcasts uh, recently? I saw you j- just on Whiskey Ginger. Well, since... Um, yeah, since... Um, Netflix came out. I've done a ton of podcasts. I do a lot of podcasts mm-hmm. in the country music world. So I did okay. a lot of, you know, country singers podcasts and stuff like that. Uh, a few comedy mm-hmm. ones. I, you know, I did Whiskey Ginger, Ginger most recently. And now I am a regular co-host on the Nate Land podcast with Nate Bargatze. So, nice. um, yeah, a lot going on. And I have my own podcast that I do. Uh, you know, pretty sporadically, but uh, mm-hmm. I still do it. So you and Nate are some of the biggest uh, Nashville comedians that, you know, based out of there. Theo moved there, Theo Vaughn recently. Is there a uh, big uptick in, like, stage times and mics in Nashville? I feel like it's becoming kind of like Austin in a way, a new comedy space. Well, we don't have as many, like, clubs. We have one great club, Zanies, and then you have um, – you know, uh, if you're if you're in with Zanies, it's really great because you mm-hmm. you get to do. There's a Monday night show every night or every Monday every week, um, and it's really great. And then I have a show that I do monthly. Other comics have shows they do monthly, and then there's other random showcases. Uh, and there are some rooms around the area. I mean, Nashville's just great in general, but I feel mm-hmm. like if you're up and coming, there may not be as many opportunities for you. You know, there are some, yeah. but I feel like there may not be as I've, many. Yeah. Whereas Austin, I think, yeah. has a ton of, I don't know as much about Austin. I've done the Moon Tower Comedy Festival there, and I had a lot of fun. Uh, and I, I understand that they are getting more clubs. So mm-hmm. Austin may have more going on than Nashville, but I think Nashville's a better yeah. place to live. Have you seen... Um, because like your persona on stage and some other guys like maybe Theo Vaughn, you you have like a real maybe country like uh, theme or like it's not even like maybe on purpose. It's just who you are, and it, it works really well for you guys because it's very authentic. Have you seen anyone coming into maybe Nashville scene being like, I want to be a comedian based out here that kind of puts it on a little bit, maybe tries to do like a fake southern southern comedy thing? I don't know. I feel like that could happen. You know, but um, Mm -hmm. I think, you know, what happens with me is like, you know, I grew up in Alabama, right? And I grew up real Southern, real country. And then, you know, I moved to Charleston, South Carolina for 10 years. And now I'm I'm back in Nashville and it's like uh, a bit of my accent went away, right? But I learned to be funny as a Southern country guy. So when I get on Uh stage, it's like I go back into that where I feel like my accent gets a little heavier on stage. And I'm not doing it on purpose. It's just how I've learned to be funny all growing up. And, you know, but I'm just like every day walking around in my life, I'm not trying to be funny every moment of the day, you know? Right. So, but it's hard to say. I don't think there's really anybody personally that I know that's faking it. But Mm. I think I heard someone say the other day that when you're on stage, you're like, as a comedian, you're like a heightened version of yourself. 
So it's like some comedians want to be on all the time, and that seems exhausting. I don't know why anybody would want to live like that. <laughs> but yeah. for the people who aren't on all the time, it's like, yeah, we get on stage and we come alive. You know, that inner comedian right. comes out. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, I think that's what happens. Is there a big difference in, like, uh, Alabama, where you grew up, Southern, versus, like, Nashville, Southern? Because Nashville, I feel like, is still, like, obviously, you got Broadway, all, like, country music hub, but it's it's not, like, the most Southern place. It's pretty in the middle, I would say, of, of that. Yeah, country. I think so. I mean, Nashville is even different than, you know, just Tennessee around it, you know? Mm. Nashville's got its own vibe. I mean, it's still very Southern here, but, uh, yeah, I mean... Where I grew up, and, and where I grew up is not even so country, but my wife's Canadian, right? So she really notices okay. the difference when we're in Nashville versus when we go visit my hometown in Alabama. Mm -hmm. And we just went down to Dauphin Island, which is, um, you know, on the very tip. It's a little island just below Alabama. And it's still part of Alabama, but it's, you know, it's a mostly undiscovered beach area where there's not a lot going uh -huh. on, but the whole island is a beach. So you basically have a private beach all the time. So if you're like me and you want to go to the, nice. the, the, you know, I want to go to the beach for the beach. You know, I'm married. I got a kid. Yeah. I don't care about the bars. I don't care about partying. I just want to go hang out on the beach and relax. And that's a great yeah. place. But, you know, it's a different vibe down there. I mean, as my wife would yeah. say, you know, who's Canadian? She's like, just a bunch of fat Southerners down here getting sunburned on the beach, you know. And she's right, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, but that's what I'm into. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't sound bad to me. I'm, I'm yeah. in Tampa right now. I moved here about a year ago. And the beach is here, like Tampa Bay area, like Clearwater, St. Pete. They're fun, but they are slammed with vacations, oh, yeah. families. Like they have like the private, like tent areas all lined up. You got to really find your spots, and uh, yeah, you don't really just go to the beach for the beach. You're you're you got a little area. You can't really move around. You can't go toss the ball around. Like you're a crowded beach is, is really no good. It takes away the whole point, kind of. Yeah, and, and Tampa's really great. I've been there many times, but I don't think I've ever been to the beach while I'm in Tampa. Yeah. You know, I go there for comedy and that's it. Yeah. So uh, you come around here side splitters? Is, is that the yeah, main Yeah, I did the, um, the improv years ago and then, the you know, the from probably 2016 on, I do side splitters. Mm -hmm. Okay. As some of the people that I talk to for, for this podcast are people in town doing side splitters and I can grab them, do an interview real quick. And most people, I get the vibe that it's one of the best uh clubs maybe in in the country would you say uh you have a favorite club besides your home one zanies uh that you get excited to go to on tour well i do really like side splitters i think it's a lot of fun you know any of those old school clubs like that where they just really have the old school mm -hmm. vibe it's uh it's a lot of fun i mean yeah i would say that's one of my favorites i like uh you know the comedy catch in chattanooga i think that's really fun but you know, there's also a lot of the new clubs are really fun. I, uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin just got a new club. It's huge. And I always say I don't like the huge clubs, but it's awesome. You know, it's like it's like there mm -hmm. is an old school mentality with the old school clubs. Sometimes you don't really get like the club's great. They built up this thing all, all over the years. But like, you know, you go to these new clubs and it's like they roll out yeah. the red carpet. You know what I mean? You're like, so yeah. it feels nice to be in there. Yeah, maybe an old school club, like it gets the it, the romance of it being old and many years there. But they probably aren't as inclined to do these red carpet type because it's like, oh, this is how we've always done it. We can, you know, treat people um, not bad, but probably the, you know, the same way that they always have. And then the new club, it's like we need people to come in here you know, let's, let's give them, throw everything we got at them. Is Milwaukee a city that you Oh yeah. Say, I mean, well, it's like from, from one week, you know, I do a club in, uh, you know, Lowell, Arkansas called the Grove. And, uh, when I do it, I uh -huh. always stay in this cabin out in the woods that they have and people, they'll go, Oh man, you still staying in that cabin. And I'm like, I like being in the cabin, but the guy will fly. He has a private jet. <laughs> yeah. He'll f come fly to Nashville and then fly me into the Grove, wow. you know? And I'm like, it's tough to beat wow. that kind of service, you know? 
Yeah, it is. Yeah, the cabin does not sound bad when, when there's a private jet attached to it also. Yeah, that's great. So you were just in, um, you said you mentioned you were at Moonfest uh, in Austin, and then you were in the uh, Netflix is a Joke Festival too, right? Yeah, I didn't do Moon Tower this year. I did it either, I don't remember exactly, either early, early 2020 or late 2019. Uh, but I did Netflix as a joke festival just okay. recently. Nice. I was at Moon Tower this past year, and it was a blast. It was a ton of fun. But so, so gearing up for these festivals, is that any different than just going to do a, a road uh, gig in, in, as far as preparation goes for you? I don't think so. I mean, it, it, it's different in the sense that uh, there's industry people around, so all the, um, you know, all the important people in the comedy world uh, are hanging out and could potentially be at your show. So whereas, mm -hmm. like, normally you're like, you just go up, you do comedy, you know, you care that it goes well. I want it to go well because I care about comedy. But if it mm -hmm. doesn't go well, it's okay. But I don't really want right. to bomb in front of the biggest industry in the country, you know? <laughs> right. So there's yeah. a little extra pressure, but, you know, I don't even know if they were at my show. But I also feel like I work well under pressure. Uh, so that uh -huh. doesn't really affect me that much. Were you there around the time that the, the Dave Chappelle thing happened? I was there after. I wasn't there at the same time. But I the okay. security really got heightened after that. In fact, even yeah. I had my own personal security guard that Netflix had for me. So... At wow. all my shows, they came to my show. They stayed until I left. That's pretty cool. That's yeah, when response. I left the venue, they left. But they stayed. Uh, even I did a show on Friday, and then I got asked to do a second show. And the, the security guard stayed. Um, so wow. uh, I felt like it was really unnecessary. I feel like I could use an <laughs> attack on stage. I could use the press. Uh, that'd be yeah, fine for me. Clip. <laughs> Um, damn, you that know, sucks I mean, I heard Chris Rock sales <laughs> went up really big when he got slapped. I mean, yeah. I, I would take a slap for, for, uh, up in the ticket yeah. sales, you know? So you heard I've it been here first. for no <laughs> money before. <laughs> That's a good way to think about it. If anyone out there is at Dusty's next few shows and is feeling bold, <laughs> he welcomes Yeah, in fact, I've though. never got paid for getting punched. You know, I've been punched many times and it's always for free. How much would you take? How much would it take for you? Uh, any random person can just punch you at any time, but it's just throughout your normal life. Someone gets to buy a one-time pass. So whenever they see you, they're allowed to just sock you. What's that number for you? Oh, it would have to be a lot because you, yeah. you take a sucker punch like that. At least up on stage, you can gear yourself up. But, you know, it's like that whole hand, who was it, uh, whatever the stuntman was that said uh, he could take a punch from any person, uh, and oh, then he yeah. got sucker punched, and then he died. Wasn't that Harry Houdini, I think? or yeah, yeah, maybe Houdini. Yeah, it's like, I don't need that kind of drama in my life, right. you know? Yeah. I don't really want to get punched, but I guess time. my point is... Uh, Chris Rock and Dave Chappelle's attacks in the end seem relatively easy. And yeah. uh, I would take the ease of that for the uh, drama of some ticket sales. You know what I mean? But <laughs> my like ticket sales are doing fine, so I don't really yeah. need to get punched. <laughs> that guy that attacked Dave Chappelle, I think like two weeks later, I saw he got like uh, arrested for like attempted murder of his roommate. Like he was just, he was just... He was done being part of society, I guess. And if he didn't get arrested at Dave Chappelle... He yeah, was... I mean, uh, it's never shocks me when a person that attacks someone is guilty of attacking another person, you know? Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, Could so... That I mean, I got relatives that have been on drugs, and they get off drugs, and then they get back on drugs, and everybody's like, I just don't know what happened. And I'm like, well, they're a drug addict, you know? That's what happened. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's uh, it's an astute observation there, and the level of person this guy's attacking, like one of the greatest comedians in the world, and just his roommate, like it's it's crazy. He's got a lot of range for his <laughs> for his terror. Yeah, exactly. I mean, 
it's like you would think once you attack Dave Chappelle, it'd be hard to get that rush again. You're not going to get that same yeah, rush from attacking boring. the roommate. Yeah. You yeah, attack don't the start roommate, at the you're top, like, where's, you know? where's Jamie Foxx at? Where's, where's all these guys stomping me? It's probably so boring to just attack one <laughs> unknown. Yeah, I mean, but I guess, you know, I mean, I guess Chappelle's pretty ripped, but you start trying to attack Jamie Foxx. I mean, that guy is, uh, I don't know, he always seems pretty ripped to me. Yeah. It's like Will Smith, it's like, you know, he played Ali, you know, or, or, and, and also I Am Legend, you know I mean? He's like... Yeah. The last surviving man on earth. If he comes attacking you, you know, you don't, but I don't know. And I don't Chris know. Rock I, is not that You know, I've either. done, coming up, I've done comedy in the Southeast and the Midwest. I mean, I've done comedy in clubs all along the way that felt like I could get attacked at yeah. any time. Has there ever been a close call where you said something and you're like, oh, this, this person might actually do something? Well, it's hard to say. Who knows when it's a close call or not? I mean, I, I was That's at a true. bar in, or, a, or a club in Johnson City, Tennessee, which is the far east side of Tennessee, mm-hmm. uh, where it gets it gets real hillbilly out there. I got a lot of friends from East Tennessee, but it can get real hillbilly out there real quick. <laughs> and there was two middle-aged couples there, and they kept, you know, going back and forth. There was only about 12 people in the whole club. This was years ago. And the four of them, it was a drunk, two drunk middle-aged couples, and they kept mm-hmm. going at me, and I kept going back with them because the show wasn't going that well anyway. So <laughs> at this point, I didn't care. I'm just arguing yeah. with some drunk old couples. Yeah. And I see the manager of the club kind of back out of the club. Like, he felt like drama was about to go down, and he was just oh, going to get move. out of there. <laughs> For the manager. Yeah. But after the show, I saw those two couples. One of them, I was standing... Uh, over by the front door and they came out mm-hmm. the side door of, of the club and I saw them trip over a trash can and fall into the street. And okay. I just thought, geez, yeah. you're like 50 year old people out here. So just drunk. Hammered. You can't even stand at a club just blackout. At the and it felt like I burned them, even though they did yeah. it to themselves. It felt like I won in the end. That, that is a, cause I was you. just smoking a cigar and they were, you know, of course, I put the cigar in the ashtray of the hotel earlier before my show. And after that show, I went and dug <laughs> it out of the ashtray to finish it off because I was stressed. That's, that's a sad and, move. <laughs> uh, and that seems like a low point when you're smoking a cigar out of the ashtray. But yeah, then you see the people over. you argue with trip over a trash can and fall into the street. And you're like, I win. Yeah. At first, it sounded like it could have been a loss. You're on the secondhand cigar. But then they gave you a gift and and fell over right in front of you that's that's great yeah you know and you know i was in a club in san antonio one time and there was a a couple in front and they kept talking to each other and i was like hey what are you guys up to here and the guy go he's mumbling along and i was go what he goes i'm getting laid tonight and i was like oh well you better get out of here then you know it's like just go do it don't ruin my show because yeah. you're worried about getting laid, just go get laid, dude. Just go. Yeah, what are you doing here if that's if that's the case anyway? Yeah, I mean, if you already know, I thought that's what the comedy show was for. Yeah. You take a date to the comedy show. If it goes well, you get laid. That if you already know you're getting laid, get out of there. Yeah, you're Save doing yourself an extra some drinks. Step. Do you um do you find it hard to kick people out of a show, or are you ready? Just if you're interrupting, you got to get out. Well, I get more ready to kick them out all the time. Because I'm like, what, what I like to believe is that if somebody starts to disrupt the show and then you go, you say something to them, I don't like to insult them. That's mm-hmm. not what my comedy is about. I'm not trying to come out here and insult people the whole time. I just want people to listen to my jokes right. and, then, and then I tell them and they laugh and then we get mm-hmm. out of there. Some people have it in their minds that comedy is crowd work and... That's just not my kind of comedy. Yeah. There are comics that do really great crowd work. Yeah. And I do okay with crowd work, but that's not what I want to be doing. Mm-hmm. I want to do these jokes that I've written. Right. And um, so I want to believe that I can say a little something to them. We laugh. I move on. They not do it again. Yeah. But it just feels like nowadays they're just going to keep doing it. Yeah. So I, I like the other night I was in a club and – this guy started talking and I was like, it just irritates me so much 
that it's hard to turn it off. It's hard to hide how irritated I right. am. So I was just like, actually, I'd just like you to leave. You're getting like leave, actually pissed. You know, and yeah. then I was like, you know what? I don't want you to leave, actually. Yeah. I don't want you to leave. I just want you to be quiet, you know? Yeah. And it's like, I'm up there and I am having a good time. I'm not putting on an act. I'm waving. I'm saying we're having a good time. And I am. Yeah. But the moment somebody uh-huh. like says something. Now, there's different ways that people can say things. Somebody can yell something out from the audience loud enough for the whole audience to hear. I can make a joke about it. And then we all laugh and it's a good time. Yeah. Or they can be close to the stage and they can say things that only I can hear. Mm. And those are the worst right? because it digs into you, but nobody else can hear. Right. So nobody knows it's going on. Yeah. But I was doing, and then I was doing a club the other night and it, it was a really great set. It was really going well. And this guy yells out, he goes, work the crowd. And I'm like, jeez, yeah, dude. That's like, absurd. That's absurd. I don't come out here and go, hey, what do you do for a living? Right. You know, I know comics do that. And a lot of them are very good at it. Yeah. But that's not what I want to be doing. Right. And that's just absurd for someone to yell at. I don't care what people do for a living. To just demand, like, stop with your written jokes that you actually work every day on. You know, start talking to us. Like, we need some attention. That's an absurd right. thing to yell during a show. Yeah, it's... Uh, and then I looked at the guy. Oh, man. And I wanted I wanted to throw him out of there yeah. right away. But it's not something... It's not worthy of kicking the guy out. Right. But, but I get it. You know, there's a, a, a singer... Uh, named Ray LaMontagne. And I don't know if you've ever heard of this guy. I'm sure you've heard some of his songs. But he's a real kind of soft singer. Mm -hmm. He plays guitar. Real soulful kind of stuff. And I heard one time that he demands, and I don't know if this is true. I just heard it. That he demands complete silence in his show. And if people talk during his show, he gets really irritated and throws them out of there. Mm. And when I heard that, I thought, that's ridiculous. Yeah. But, you know, 12 years into comedy, I'm like, oh, I get yeah. it. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I get it. Yeah. Especially because he's like, I'm trying to do this for you. It will be better if you just shut up and like, and they don't want to let, it's like, he's like, it's for your own good. I'm trying to do this for you. And yeah, that's, do you think that. Yeah. And people say, they go, well, you should be a better comic. You know, you got to be you got to be able to handle that stuff. And it's like it is true that you need to be able to handle it. But it doesn't mean that I need to be good at interacting yeah. with hecklers. And it doesn't mean that they need to manufacture it. Like you need to be good at handling that if it happens for real. Not like a real heckler gets offended by or or whatever from a joke that you wrote and told. Not people being like I have no issue with the show, but I think that this is what I'm supposed to do, so I'm just going to start yelling stuff out and be like, well, you can't handle it. It's like, well, that wasn't even necessary. That wasn't even like, that wouldn't have happened if you didn't, ju- you know what I mean? Like you can, you need to handle the real 100%. stuff. Yeah. That's crazy. Do you think that be- Yeah, you sh- you say I need to be able to deal with it. I say you need to not put me in that situation. Yeah, exactly. Do you think that all these clips get like it? We're in a real uh, shift in in comedy online where everyone is constantly sharing clips, uh, like stand up reels, stand up clips, TikToks, and it seems like majority of those are crowd work, probably because you don't have to burn any material and it really engages the the person on their phone, being like, oh, this, you know, I knew this wasn't written, like this just happened for like so real so like do you think that all these clips getting shared of crowd work is is causing maybe more people to be like i want to go to a show and maybe i'll be in the clip or you're supposed to yell stuff out yeah i think so i think that is what's happening because i i typically share crowd interactions or riffs Mm -hmm. that happen to me so i'm not burning up material Mm -hmm. like you said but i it is organic when it happens for me. I do. I have heard of some comics that at the end of their show, they'll do a Q and a, and the Q and a will be just for their clips. Okay. So it's like, it is really happening, but it's the comedian asking for questions from the audience and then making jokes. And it's okay. People can do whatever they want, but I just feel like it's not organic. If I'm sharing a crowd interaction, it's happened to me on stage. Right. One of the coolest things I saw at Moon Tower this year, I went to uh, stand up on the spot, and that was that was cool to watch, because everyone knew that that was what's supposed to be happening. Like people are supposed to be yelling out the topics, and then there's and then there's like it was it was fun to be involved in the, in the show, but like 
responsibly or like that's literally the whole point of it but then you go to other shows and there's people yelling stuff out and it's like i it just makes me uncomfortable like sitting next in the area of people just like ruining a show it's just it's a strange thing to do yeah i can't stand it i i i do like that i used to do a show probably in 2011 or so when i was living in charleston me and two other buddies we had a show well, we, w- we would only get about a half hour at this theater mm-hmm. and we would do 15 minutes, uh, five minutes a piece of our regular material. And then we would spend the next 15 minutes taking words from the audience. And then we would all three make a joke about that word. And because uh-huh. we had different styles of comedy, you, s- you got to see where each of our minds took that word to make a joke about. Oh, that's cool. And it was really fun. And it, you know, it was a, I thought it, I, at the time, I don't know of anybody doing that, but I also wasn't connected with the rest of the comedy world, so mm-hmm. who knows? But the um, uh, and and that's a lot of fun, you know, a gimmicky type show. Yeah. It is fun to see, but yeah, I mean, I just feel like with COVID, with like people being locked up in their houses and now suddenly being out again, I feel like people mm-hmm. have forgot how to act, and yeah. um, they just yeah. everybody wants internet material. They forget that we're living in reality yeah. and they want internet material. Yeah. Like I like to do a lot of gardening and I'm always like, oh, well, I should film this, uh, you know, for the internet. And then I'm like, no, I, this is what, this is me doing something that's right. not for the internet. Yeah. People, you forget that you have to do like just things for the sake of doing them sometimes, which is kind of scary. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> we, like we have to live life. Yeah. It's like everybody, they're like, oh, I'm cooking. Let me film yeah. it. You know, so I'm guilty of it. I got a video on the internet that's done pretty well of me cooking in an Instapot, yeah. you know, but it's like, <laughs> I've also cooked, you know, a thousand meals since that time. But no one has seen you do that. So I, I don't know if I believe you. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. And, 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 and if I'm not getting likes, is it even and worth the meal it? meal sucks you without know? some likes. It tastes so much worse without likes that's so i know it's so wild it it is so wild and um it's weird it kind of disturbing and and it's just the encouragement to do it is there everybody's pushing because it works right the more content you put out the more followers you get the more tickets you sell sell and it's like the the model works but it drains you of all your life you're just yeah nothing is real anymore do you do you have you found it harder to um as you've been, as you've been like he- growing your career, starting to headline these clubs and, and these people are coming out just specifically to see you going back on, uh, cr- people in the crowd, do you find it harder to remove people or maybe slam them a little bit because now you're the guy that they're coming to see where maybe earlier in your career, if they're being annoying, they might not even know who they're, what lineup they're there to see. And you're just like, get out of here. But now there, is there any additional pressure or sentimental value I actually, I think it, it all gets better, mm-hmm. right? Because if it's an audience of people there to see you, um, they're, they're likely not to do that. Yeah. And then if they are, if they are doing it, you can make fun of them and the rest of the audience is on board with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's like, they're there to see you. So it makes comedy easier when people are there to see you because they already know a little bit of what you do yeah. and there's less time to get to know you. Yeah. That's gotta be the worst part about, but also, you know, there's less chance that the audience wants to yell at you. And if they do yell at you, it's usually something positive or some kind of joke request or something like yeah. that, that, you know, I don't mind. Mm-hmm. I don't mind if, cause if somebody yells out a joke, they want me to do, it's like, for me, it's like, Oh, that's great. They know my material and they want to hear that joke. I may not do it. I may not even remember the joke they're requesting, right. at least how to tell it all the way. But it's nice. It feels good yeah. to be like, all right, you know my stuff. Yeah, yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. That's like, yeah, it's encouraging. It's not even really heckling at that point. So you, you, if you do remember it though, you're you're likely to do a request if someone really wants it. Or you- yeah, I mean, I did a show. I mean, it's hard, especially if I have like jokes that I really want right. to do. And I, you know, say, say I have two shows a night, I'm doing the early show and I got, I got jokes that I really want to do. Adding another joke in there can be hard, yeah. you know, just for time's sake. Yeah. But I, yeah, I mean, I was in Knoxville one time and we just had one show. I'd never done shows in Knoxville. And at the end of my set, a guy yelled out a joke 
And I was like, oh, okay, I'll do that joke. And then I did it. And then somebody yelled another one and somebody yelled oh, another cool. one. And I bet I did, you know, 20 minutes or more of joke request. Oh, that's cool. And it was that's really awesome. fun to do. And it was like, you know, there was no time that I had to be out of there. So it was like, yeah, let's yeah. just roll with it. Yeah, that sounds like the dream because it's it's like just playing your greatest hits at that point. That's kind of cool. Yeah, you know, because, you know, sometimes that's what it is for comedy. It's like I got a lot of jokes that I really like and would love to tell, but I, you know, I did them on The Tonight Show or I did them on Netflix. Right. And, you know, I'll repeat some, you know, just because I like doing them. But for the most part, I try to do all new yeah. jokes. So how is your and, uh, process coming up with new jokes? Like, you're right. Do you, are you a pen to paper guy or are you on stage just work it out? I'm more of an on stage work uh -huh. it out. You know, um, I find that, you know, sometimes I do need to write the idea down when it comes to me or I'll forget. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, for the most part, I like to just go and try to work it out mm -hmm. on stage. Uh, I find that, I don't know, early on, I was all about pen and paper, but now I find that on stage, I can just get up there and you can rely on those natural instincts that made you funny in the first place yeah i feel like you know a lot of people forget like that. when i was in school making people laugh i wasn't writing it down going <laughs> all right i'm gonna say this next yeah. you know you're just popping out with stuff yeah that's that's when people be like their true voice i feel like starting out in comedy like doing open mics and stuff it's like i need to like write down something like a setup and a punchline or try to be edgy or try to do this or that or try to do how you've the guys that you watch that you like, like what their style is or whatever. But then once people realize like, what, why do I think I'm funny in, enough in the first place to even be doing this at all? Like what, what makes me funny? When did I think I was funny? It's like, Oh, hang out with your friends, like at the lunch table, that kind of stuff. Like if, when you're not thinking about what you're about to say, you're just kind of like going off of the conversation at hand and, and, and you're not writing that down. Exactly. Like you said, I feel like that's like, when people start to get good is like when they become, they're just talking how they just literally are just how they exist and not trying to be a comedian. If that makes sense. Yeah, totally. And I, you know, I feel like this, this comic I know, he had this idea. He said, you know, comedy is like a tree, right? And you, and, and the main part of the trunk, that's your act, that's your jokes. Mm -hmm. And then you're going up. And then when you, when you want to go off on a tangent, you know, you kind of go out on a limb and you keep mm. going and you keep going. And when it gets, you get too far out there and it starts to bend, the joke's not working as well. You bring it back in, back to your mm. act. And I feel like that's a good analogy, probably a good redneck analogy, but it's like, I, that's what I like to do. Yeah. I like to, you know, I'll have, I, I say sometimes, you know, my joke ends long before I stop mm. talking, right? Because I'll get big laughs and then I'll keep trying to, milk the joke yeah. you know i'll keep doing stuff until until we're not even laughing anymore and then i'm like <laughs> all right we're having a good time and we get out yeah. of there right but it's like that that to me is fun yeah it's like we already got a good laugh out of it i got a i feel like i got a good laughs per minute type type ratio in my yeah. show where i'm like punch 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 so i'm like yeah if we can we can waste a couple of lines if it's worth giving you know yeah. worth trying to get a new laugh is that something that you at, at any point ever like actually sat down to calculate like i want this many laughs per minute or did, was that just a natural flow of like the jokes that you write yeah it's just a fear of being on stage without people mm -hmm. laughing basically you know it's like if um if I'm up there, like, it's like, I did a Ted talk about, um, you know, about, um, we're having a good time and, um, mm -hmm. I, I wonder if that, I just adjusted something that I'm wondering if that changes the volume. And if it does, I'm a real idiot, but, uh, I did a Ted talk on, on, we're having a good time. And, you know, the first part that I wrote of the Ted talk was jokes. Yeah. And so I'm like, I'm hitting the jokes and I'm going, all right, that's great. And then once I, um, once I started getting to a more serious part, the audience stopped laughing and I'm like, oh no, I'm bombing. Uh -huh. But there were no jokes, right. right? So I wasn't bombing. Yeah. And I, I didn't like it. I mean, <laughs> it, um, yeah. I, I blanked out and then I just started telling jokes from my <laughs> act because, and then, 
at, once I would get more comfortable, then more jokes yeah. would come to, or more part of the TED talk would come to me. But that's funny. I'm like, I don't like the serious stuff. That's that's really funny. That's probably speaks to how how natural of a comedian you are that you're supposed to be doing a TED talk, but without the laughs, it's just like you just gotta go back to my act. That's great. Yeah, it's like I'm on stage and I just feel like when I'm on stage, I'm on stage to do comedy. Yeah. So do you think that it's hard to like tell a longer story or something that might take like two minutes? to set up or maybe you even have to like pretend to be like real serious for like two minutes like try to really set up a longer joke is do you try to stay away from that because it's uncomfortable when no one's laughing to even set up a premise or is that fine because you know that the the payout's coming it's it's much harder for me to do that um i um i have a joke now that i'm doing where um I, it's a three minute joke and I, you know, the story has a good punch at Uh the end, but you know, but it's more of a story. So I've been learning to tell this story Uh and as time goes on, I do have punchlines now throughout where people, where, where it is getting Mm -hmm. laughs. But in the beginning I did it at the grand old Opry. It was 4,000 people in the audience and it's a three minute joke. Yeah. And I'm used to getting laughs about every 15 seconds, Uh right? I get a little bit of something. Um, And for three minutes, no one laughed. They just looked at me. And I was like, man, if this punchline at the (laughs) end doesn't pay off, this is going to be the biggest bomb I've ever had, I think. And fortunately, I hit the punchline at the end. The whole place laughed, and it was like, well worth it. So that's what, you know, I got afraid of that in the beginning because that's what they always say. You know, if you're going to have a long story with one punchline at the end, then that punchline better be worth it. Right. Yeah, I can. You know, because I got a lot of jokes where there's not really much of an ending to the joke, Mm -hmm. but we're laughing all along the way. There's so many punches all along the way that by the time that joke ends, I just move right into the next thing. Yeah. And it's like, it's not so much about closure for me. It's just about, uh, it's not the destination, it's the journey. Right, a la- and a laugh is a laugh. So if it's along the way or at the end, it doesn't matter. That's what I say all the time. I say, you know, that joke doesn't have a real ending, but we had a lot of fun along yeah, the way. Yeah, and that's a joke know? in itself, too. It's just because, like, people think a joke's yeah. supposed to have an end. So then you addressing that it doesn't, it's, that's a whole other joke there, too. Yeah, you know, I feel like I'm influenced by a lot of people, but like uh, Mitch Hedberg has a couple of his on his albums. I, I remember him saying stuff like, that's not a full joke there. <laughs> yeah. And he does it in his way. And I, I feel like I've picked that up in a sense where I'll do things like that. Yeah. Where it's just like, I don't know, Steve Martin and Mitch Hedberg both had uh, uh, an influence on me just in kind of the silliness of what they would do where it's like, yeah, I'm writing jokes and my act is funny, Mm -hmm. but it's like, if it, if a joke doesn't work, let's not get so bent out of shape. Right. You know, let's not take it so seriously. Yeah. We are just telling jokes. Yeah. That's one of the things that I, I really feel like I picked up on when I was at, that that last festival I just attended because I saw maybe seven hours of comedy a night for like five nights in a row, just like professionals, just just getting after it. And it was like when they're trying new stuff or like something doesn't go well or made the crowds dead and a joke kind of falls flat. The the comedian addressing that to the it's like so much funnier than them just like moving on or being like just trying to get to the next joke or like acting like that didn't happen when they're just like oh like all right, moving on, or like, all right, you're not going to like this next one either. Just addressing when that doesn't go well just gets a huge laugh, like, every time. And that's like, wow, I, like, that makes so much sense. Like, we, we can't forget that, like, we're, we all know what's going on here. And it's way funnier to address what's happening than try to act like that didn't happen. Yeah, and it's like, to me, it's like, that. that is so much the part of being funny is, like, uh, growing up, you're like joking away your mistakes or joking away your, uh, I don't know the word, but whatever you're uncomfortable about, any of your self-consciousness, you're Mm -hmm. like, oh, that's how you joke it away. So bombing a joke and and joking that away, that's all part of it. exactly. Like that's how you learn to be funny in the first place. Yeah, that's... At least me. I mean, I guess different people learn different stuff, but but... 
for me, that's what it's all yeah. about, you know, making a mistake and then being able to make a joke that, that everybody forgets the mistake mm-hmm. because you were so yeah. funny about it. Do you find it harder as a established name now trying out brand new things where it might be so silly that you're like, I don't even know if I want to like try out a new, a new joke unless I know that it's a hundred percent going like this is gold. Well, for me, I never know what's going to be gold, Mm -hmm. right? Sometimes I'll think of something and I'll go, this is going to be fantastic. And then I go tell it and no one laughs (laughs) and I can't understand why. And I may keep telling the joke for a long time just because I don't understand why the audience doesn't think it's funny. And if you think it's funny, there's got to be something. You know, you're like, and if you think it's funny, there's got to be something there. Like. Yeah, yeah, you know, and that's what I heard one time. If you think a joke's funny and the audience is not laughing, then you've just not figured out how to write mm-hmm. it yet. And I think that's probably true. I mean, I got a joke in the middle of a bit now that I that I wrote years ago, and it never worked. Actually, I have a joke about the Waffle House that probably happened to me in 2010, and I just started doing yeah. the joke. I mean, I wrote it down, you know, 12 years ago. And I just started doing it because I I tried it once on stage. It bombed. And I go, well, I guess there's nothing Uh there. But then I remembered it. Yeah. And I just started doing it again. And now it's a huge hit for me. It's a great joke. So it's like, you know, it's just you become better at comedy. And some of your old ideas are better now because you're funnier. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good point. I guess you don't think of either is like. You keep getting funnier. Do you think that you get funnier every every year of your life, like, or at least from starting comedy? Like, is there any limit to how? This is kind of a broad question, I guess. Is there any limit to how funny that you you can get? I don't know. I mean, I think that as long as you're always working mm-hmm. it, right? You're always on stage, and as long as you stay up to date with what the culture is doing, right. right? I feel like this happens to a lot of older comics is they lose touch with what the culture is doing or they just stop caring mm-hmm. and then they just seem out of touch. Yeah. And I think it's hard to be funny when you're out of touch. Yeah. You know, it doesn't even mean that you have to agree with everything that's going on. It doesn't mean that you have to uh, address it, but you have to know where things are going right. to know what you can and can't say. I mean, and it's like, that seems weird to say yeah. in 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 a you know a free speech kind of society, but it's like it's just the way it is, right? right? It's like when you start saying stuff that the the culture has moved away from, then you become irrelevant, yeah. you know. And or or if you're not working it, but I also and this is not something I've dealt with, so I don't know, but I feel like it must be harder for super popular and comics. To write new jokes because uh, the audience loves mm-hmm. you, right? And they just think you're so oh, funny yeah, yeah, yeah. that they're laughing at all yeah. your stuff. So it's like, are you still being funny? Like if you were to get dropped in front of a group of people that had right. no idea who you were, would you be funny yeah. to them? I feel like that's a lot. Like I try try listening to like a brand new podcast like that's like 150 episodes in it's like i don't even get half these references like if if but like there's a million people following this like everyone it's hilarious everyone because they know what's going on or they just love whatever these people say like they're going to love it so that's and when people get like astronomically wealthy from doing stand-up i feel like it can be hard to be like telling jokes that are relatable to the to the people listening because the audience is going to be just an audience you know Right. When you're when you're never around uh, normal people, you know, like if it's like because even for me, right, like I'm like I just fly all the time because I'm always doing gigs. Mm -hmm. Right. So I'm just flying every weekend. Right. So I fly with one airline. So my status got really high with that airline to where I have the highest status that you can get with that airline. So I get upgraded to first class. I've never bought a first class ticket, mm-hmm. but I get upgraded probably 80% of the time oh, nice. to first class. And then they offered me this kind of uh, club that, you know, you go to the airport and you sit in the special uh-huh. room, yeah. you know, with the airline. Yeah. 
And it's like, it feels so phony <laughs> to me. Like it feels like I shouldn't belong in first class uh -huh. or in the club. Yeah. But also being in there, I'm like, oh, this is the best. I got free coffee. I got free snacks. I'm right. away from everyone. I got better Wi-Fi. I got more comfortable chairs. Of course I want this. But it's like, how do, you, how do you write jokes about like, yeah, I was in first class the other day and then I yeah. had all yeah. this yeah. arm room, you know, or whatever yeah. it is. It's like. Yeah. Yeah. You guys know about the lounge in the airport, huh? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's like, if you're not relatable to what people are up to, but those things I think are just a small, like I think a lot of people can relate to that. Uh -huh. So I don't think, but I, but I mean, once you actually get wealthy, I don't know what that's like. I, yeah. me and my wife talked about that the other day. It's like, she's like, I don't think that you'll ever become like that because you like picking up stuff off the side of the road too much. You know, <laughs> she's like, it doesn't matter yeah. how much money you have. You still want to pick up a computer chair off the side <laughs> of the road, you know, <laughs> if it's and a good deal, true. I mean, <laughs> yeah, hey, I can't resist. I have a table on my back porch that my neighbor threw out the other day. I can't resist. It. If it looks good. I, I mean, I just, I, I'm like, I oh, totally that's a good that. table. How are you going to throw that out? Free stuff feels so good. And you feel like you, you got a, a deal. Yeah. I don't know what people are up to just throwing things no. out. Uh, I, I saw, um, what was it? The, the, the bit about the, uh, chairs, unloading the chairs at, uh, at Goodwill. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. I forgot I even told that joke, but that is so true. I mean, I had some patio chairs and, the wood, it was very good metal chairs. So it wasn't like I was trying to dump trash yeah. out at Goodwill, but the the seat right. was wooden and broke. It had a good cover. It just needed a new bottom to it, which would be easy to do, especially if someone's in woodworking. It shows how much money everybody actually has that even Goodwill's like, nah, we can't sell these chairs that could be easily yeah. fixed. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 uh, you know, some lady, I don't know, I don't know who it was. It was a man's name. And then uh, it signed off with a woman's name on YouTube lecturing me about that joke. And I was like, you know, they're like, you shouldn't just dump your trash off at Goodwill. And I'm like, well, it wasn't trash. Yeah. They took the table. Yeah. It was a metal table with a glass top. They took it, but I got three chairs off. My sister was there with me. She was moving all slow and she wouldn't get the fourth chair. And then the, the Goodwill guy was like, no, nah, we can't take these. We can't take <laughs> these. So I had to load it back up. Yeah. And I didn't know where to go with it. I didn't have a truck at the right. time. So I'm like, let's just go over here to this big lots and throw it in the trash. Which, what else are you going to do? I mean, <laughs> yeah. Right. And she's like, well, they may videotape your license plate and you may get fined. And it's like, fine. Whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. If they find me, they find me. But Good for them. I need somebody to come pick this yeah. up. So, uh, I feel like Goodwill is kind of stingy with the stuff that they that they are willing to accept. Like, here's three pretty good chairs, and then what's wrong with this? I mean, they they just want like brand new stuff at Goodwill. That defeats the whole purpose, right? It's like you know, it's a good. I mean, I, I guess they think, well, we'll never be able to sell these. But it's like to me that shows like even people shopping at Goodwill are like. Nah, I don't have, I won't fix these chairs. I need chairs that are yeah. already in perfect condition. There's a trend yeah. going on on TikTok that I see where it says, it's a, you know, a voice uh, audio that people are using. And it says, you know, uh, you're not good at being poor, right? The, and it's like just mm -hmm. showing that it's like, if you're poor, but able-bodied, you can still have good stuff. Mm -hmm. Just take something that's bad yeah. and make it good. But nobody wants to make anything yeah. good. They want. They just want the best stuff. And if it's not the best, they just want to, you know, uh, throw it the in the lazy, trash. The, can't be poor and lazy. That's not a good combination. Right. I think that's the audio. Yeah. You can't be poor and lazy. Yeah. That's funny. And it's like, it is true. I mean, I love to build stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's so great. Yeah. And it's rewarding, too. To I'm not even that good at building things, but I like doing it. <laughs> the process of building it. I built the desk that, I have, that I'm sitting on right now, and it's been creaking the whole time. <laughs> I mean, anytime I move off of it, it creaks. It makes a lot of noise. I'm sure there's a way to fix it, but I don't know how. But that's your but desk. But I had to replace wood off my back porch, and I took some of the old wood that was still good, and I 
built this desk and then I sanded all the wood and then I stained it and it's great. That sounds really fun too. It's a whole, it's a whole process. Yeah. I'm going to get to some. And then I drilled holes oh, in it so I could put the mic stand inside of the desk. I mean. Wow. It's yeah, a whole it's studio so now. That's yeah. a good setup. I mean, and now I want so to throw I, it away. I'm tired I put of it. On but, our, uh, uh, but I built it. And, you're, and you can be proud of it, too. I think you're frozen for a little. Oh, there you go. Okay. I put on our community section questions for you uh, first to see if we had some people send in any questions. There's a few interesting ones I want to hit here at the end. Um, someone said, do you think that Alabama has a potential to develop a formidable comedy scene, maybe in cities like Birmingham or Mobile? Well, I hope so. I don't know. Uh, Birmingham has a club. They have a club called the Stardome. I think it's all about someone just doing mm -hmm. it, right? It's like Huntsville, Alabama has a really good club, and it's doing really well. And I wouldn't say the Stardome is a bad club. I think they've, they've created a bad model where they give away so many free tickets, and it's like you can't do good shows with free tickets, right? Um, but I think if you're a real right. draw, you can do the Stardome in Birmingham, and it could be a lot of fun because people actually will come and pay tickets. But Mobile is interesting because I was just in Dauphin Island, uh, which is about 45 minutes below Mobile. Mm -hmm. And I just can't understand why Mobile wouldn't have a good club. But, you know, New Orleans doesn't really have a club either. And they're all kind of right in that coast. So I don't know yeah. what that is. Uh, I yeah. did shows and I did, I opened for Burt Kreischer at a theater in New Orleans one time and it was really fun. The audiences really came out. It was really great. And then recently I opened for Fortune Feimster in Mobile mm -hmm. and the same thing we had. I mean, me and Fortune were walking down the street and people were just pouring out of the bars to meet Fortune. Wow. Like... It's like everybody downtown was downtown to see her wow. show. Now, some of the people knew me, but mm -hmm. they were really pouring out of the streets for her. And I'm like, so there clearly is enough people to make a good club. Yeah. But I don't know. Sometimes I think that in a certain area, it's like people want a certain kind of comedy. Mm -hmm. And there just is not enough comics of any certain kind of comedy to give people a consistent thing you know right. it's like there's the comedy zones and they have the it's a chain they really branch out uh you know they they franchise out mm -hmm. all these clubs and so if you become a comedy zone the comedy zone has a, a a lineup of comics that they'll send your way but so many of those comics are not good right so in with you, the comedy you go zone? i'm i'm the what's they that just get in with the comedy zone and now they're on the roster for yeah, it's like, I guess, you know, I'm saying they're not good, and I guess that's relative because people do like them, but I just think overall it's it's a it's an outdated yeah. model, right? Like so many of those comics have been with the Comedy Zone for a long time. So, you know, you, you, you get this club, and then, all right, people come out and they go, this is my theory. Mm -hmm. People come out and they go, all right, we got a new club in town. Let me go see some comedy. And then the first week it's like some – old school road comic doing jokes from the nineties. Yeah. And you're like, okay, well that wasn't really my thing, but it was only one time we'll go back next week and we'll see. And then you go back next week and it's the same thing. Yeah. So you're like, oh, okay, well I won't go back yeah. there. And then you think that's what comedy is. And then is. only the people that like that kind of comedy are coming. And that is a dwindling audience. Right. Yeah. You know? And then it's even hard. Then you set your whole club off based off that type of comedy, those type of fans. And then when you can get a, a guy on the road, maybe like yourself or something, like now it's a whole different thing. So then the normal people are coming out to see something different and, and it's not what they expect. And then you're trying to get your people in there. And right. it's like the people that like the yeah. old nineties comedy are now seeing something fresh and they're like, Oh, I yeah. don't like that. So then the booker goes, well, I'd love to book you, but you just don't work in my Yeah, clubs. It's like you made it this way. you you did it this right. way. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah, that seems like a terrible system. But I think Mobile does have the potential, I mean, because I did a theater show with Fortune, and I, I don't know how many people, at least a 1,000 yeah. people. So it's like, Do they you are think there. that it's just like, I've heard this about, I think I heard Mark Norman say this about New Orleans. It's like, they just have too much, too much other stuff to do. They're like, they don't want to just sit and 
silently and listen to someone talk like there's too much partying and stuff to go on there maybe do you think that could be at play in some of these areas well well that could be true you know but the same could be said about nashville and that's what's great about Mm -hmm. zanies is zanies is outside of downtown not far outside but it is outside it's Uh like I don't think a comedy club in downtown Nashville works because people right. are there to party Broadway? and they don't yeah. want to sit down. And maybe that's the problem for New Orleans. Yeah. Uh, Mobile, I don't know. I don't know how much partying's going on, but I do have just a theory about Alabama in general. It's like during football season, nobody, it's like, it's like Friday night is high yeah. school football. Saturday night is college yeah. football and Sunday is pro. And it's like, Alabama yeah. loves football. Right. So who, who I've always actually wondered this. Who's Alabama? Um, who's the NFL team that most people root for growing up in, in Alabama? Well, growing up, I we always liked the Atlanta okay. Falcons because I, I grew up on East okay. Alabama. So I'm two hours from Atlanta. I was 15 minutes from Georgia. Okay. In Alabama, you have to be eight. You have to be 19 to buy cigarettes and there's no lottery. So when I was 18, I would drive to Georgia for mm. cigarettes and lottery tickets. That's how okay. close we were. And then, um, but yeah, Atlanta was mainly okay. the team. But you would also, uh, the Miami Dolphins I yeah. liked. And a lot of people will pull for the Saints. Yeah. They're pretty close. Why do you think that they've never tried to, to like have a pro influence there? Like it's the one. The- I think it's because uh, Alabama football college is yeah, so big. Yeah, that makes sense. Because I'm, yeah. I think, I mean, it's practically a, a, an NFL team uh, with just, I mean, it's, I, the stadium seats over 100,000. Yeah. I mean, they're selling out most games. What about what, um, what what's his name just said, Jimbo Fisher about Nick Saban, just really like Oh, I think it's wild. Him. I mean, I don't understand what's just happened, I guess. I'm out of the loop. I mean, I saw what Jimbo said. Yeah. But apparently college players are getting paid now, I guess, and I missed all yeah. that. It's only been so like a year. I don't really understand the argument. Yeah. But I, I love it. I mean, I, I love that kind of rivalry where it's like, you know, everybody's got to be sick of Nick Saban. Like, I love yeah. it. Yeah. But it's like Nick Saban's been dominating for, I don't know, 14 years in yeah. college football. A godly run. Like, no one has ever, even like Belichick didn't do that. Like, this is different. Like, no one even wraps their head around what Nick Saban has really done. Like, yeah. So he's been, so I get it. Everybody is tired of him and I get it, but I also love it. And it makes sense. Like the stuff that Jimbo Fisher was saying, like he basically just kind of called him an asshole. It's like, yeah, he's no one thought Nick Saban was like the most loving. Like if you're Nick Saban, if you're that great at being a college coach, you're definitely an asshole. Like look at what Urban Meyer, like all these guys. Yeah, you devote your whole life to it. I, I never thought Nick ha- Nick Saban would be a good hang. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Dabo like, Sweeney looks like a good hang, but yeah. Nick Saban doesn't. No, you know that was obvious. I've, I've never been like I would love to toss him back with Nick Saban. Just kind of <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that'd be so, a blast, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd love to pick his brain about football. I'd be kind of scared. I'd be like very timid. Like that's how it is, though. He, it wasn't that surprising. All right, we'll do one more question. Uh, this is another interesting one. I love talking football. I always get off off topic talking football, but this is a uh, back to comedy. What is it like being on Fallon and Co- Jimmy Fallon and Conan? And they also said, "Who's better?" If you what show you like doing better? Well, I was uh, I was on Fallon and Kimmel. Uh, okay. I never got to do Conan, which is uh, really bums me out. Uh, because I would have liked to do that. Actually, I was in talks with the Conan Booker one time. And then I don't know what happened. He never liked my videos I sent. I don't know what happened. But then I got booked by Jimmy Kimmel in the meantime. Um, and then I've been I've gotten to do Fallon three times. Oh, wow. So my experience, uh, you know, has been great with both. Mm-hmm. But now that I've, you know, I've done Fallon three times. And ultimately, that's what gave me the big push. Kimmel, it was almost like a, a practice run because I had never done a late night before. So it was like my intro to what that's like. Okay. And then, so by the time I got to do the tonight show, I was better prepared. Yeah. Um, but both of them couldn't have been nicer to me. Jimmy Kimmel was so nice. Um, he came over, he talked with me a bit before the show. 
Um, and then he said, uh, and I don't know if you've, uh, uh, the person asking the question has actually watched it, but there's a noticeable difference in how my set go. Like I did a lot of those jokes on my Netflix special because I wanted, I never felt like those jokes, my trailer park jokes, I never felt like they got a good uh, time in the sun, you know, because I, I wanted them to be on a late night, but then they just didn't go that well. And I'm like, that's not a fair yeah. representation of how good those jokes go. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm doing them on Netflix. Yeah. And, uh, but I just, um, Jimmy Kimmel came up to me right before and he goes, this is a weird audience tonight. So whatever you get out of them, you earned. Huh. And a lot of people think that's a bad thing to say to me, but I loved it. Yeah, I was actually like that gave me a little confidence because I was like, all right, I may not do real well. Yeah. But at least Jimmy Kimmel just told me that you Takes may not do off. real well. Yeah. Yeah. Takes the pressure off. And then if it doesn't go that well, you, you, you're you not like embarrassed that Jimmy Kimmel saw it because he's the one that told you like what the yeah. deal. Yeah. 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 If Jimmy Kimmel goes, this is a hot audience. tonight. <laughs> you're about to crush yeah. it. And then yeah. I go out and they're not laughing. I'm like, oh, he's what like, happened? Oh. yeah. He's like, it was a hot audience. Yeah. Yeah, but Fallon, you know, I've gotten to do that show three times and he has always been so nice to me. He mm -hmm. always comes by, talks to me. Um, and, you know, um, the booker for Jimmy Kimmel, I, I, uh, she hooked me up. I had never done a late night before and it was so, I'm so thankful that she booked me. Yeah. But, you know, Fallon really gave me the break that I needed. Yeah. What's the um, like behind the scenes like there? Is it really nice? Like like how like like private entrance or green room kind of like like being on the show? Is it uh, are you wind and dined? Yeah, I mean, they really take care of you. I mean, they've always put me up in a nice place um, and they come in, they pick you up from the hotel, even though it's a very short walk. They mm -hmm. still come and pick you up. And then, you know, in the backstage, it's really fun. It's like, because you just see other people who are yeah. going to be on the show. Like, you know, I saw Janet Jackson backstage one time. I saw, um, I think it's Blake Russell, the NBA player backstage mm -hmm. one time. Um, uh, you know, Mark Marin came up to me. I'd never talked to Mark Marin. Oh, but wow. He was on there pushing a TV show he was doing. And I was on there doing comedy. Mm -hmm. So I guess, you know, both of us just being comics, he came over and talked to me yeah. for a bit. And I was just that's like, cool. that's amazing. Yeah, that is cool. It, did you notice um, you said that the, the uh, Fallon gave you more of like a of, of that bump? A lot of people say nowadays, like podcasts, like going on like Joe Rogan or even like this past weekend is like would be way bigger for uh, comics career than the late night shows nowadays a lot of people like to say maybe late night's time has passed but do you think that you did get a good bump on your social medias on your views or ticket sales after going on those late night shows like what do you what do you think about the landscape of late night i mean i think that that they're right um uh, a big podcast can uh really lift you up but mm -hmm. it's like podcasting is not what i do best right right stand-up comedy is what i do best so I, I can talk yeah. All day. I can yeah. say all kinds of things, but comedy is what I do best. Yeah. So it's like, I would rather be known for my standup than for my podcasting, uh -huh. you know? Um, That's a great but point. It's like when I did Fallon the first time, Fallon, if, if you really crush it on there, that gets the industry really involved with what okay. you're doing. And that's what happened for me. I did Fallon. I got new management. I got agents. And mm -hmm. it's like, you know, I've been, I've been headlining clubs uh, nonstop since my first appearance on Fallon. Wow. And That's so it's awesome. like, you know, and, and, you know, um, living in Nashville, not living in LA or New York, yeah. I don't really get invited on a lot of the uh, big podcasts. I'm not upset about it. I get it. I'm not around. Right. But so, I mean, I, you know, give credit where, where, uh, where people have helped me, you know, yeah. and late night has really helped me. Yeah. And that's so that's something I never thought about, I guess, maybe because it seems like nowadays it's like any exposure is basically just all towards like it's all just like clips, views, everything in one bucket just towards like a career, it seems like. But I never really like realized like, yeah, you get to do stand up on those shows. That's 
why it's different. Maybe it, you know, more comedy fans are like, I'm going to follow everyone that's on JRE this week, Rogan, whatever. But you don't get to do stand up. You just get to talk about anything right. like aliens, government. Like it doesn't matter. Like that's not what you're trying to do is sell your stand up tickets. That, that's a great point. I, yeah. Yeah. And it's all about saying something crazy and wild. Oh, yeah. you know, they, you know, you go on and you say something crazy and then it gets clipped up. And I, and I got plenty of crazy stories, but you know, yeah. I don't really, I don't know. I don't really want some wild story clipped up and then passed around a bunch going viral to where everyone in my family sees this wild story. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Yeah. 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 I, so, always like, I love telling a wild, dirty story as much yeah. as anyone, but I'm like, I don't know. It's just not as fun to see yourself get clipped up and, and, and shown all over the world, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and it's got to be real. Like, it can't just be like, oh, I got this big opportunity on a podcast. What are some of my crazy stories I have? Like, maybe we'll right. talk about, like, that's not authentic. That's like not what people are into, I don't think, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think you're right. 100%. Um, but well, I, I, um, I do have to get going, but I do appreciate you having me on here. Yeah, 100%. I was just about to say thank you again for uh, coming on. It was great to meet you. Uh, great to talk some comedy with you. And then if you have any dates or any uh, socials you want to plug real quick uh, for the YouTube. Well, yeah, I, you know, I'm launching my, my second half of the year tour. I'm calling mm -hmm. it the uh, Boy Named Dusty Tour, uh, you know, as reference to the Johnny Cash song, Boy Named Sue. Mm -hmm. And uh, I hate tour names, but we did. Uh, so, you know, DustySlay.com is my website. That's where okay. all my stuff's at. I, I have a YouTube channel, um, which is why I was really happy that you you asked this because you know, you do your podcast on YouTube. And mm -hmm. I think my YouTube channel is my most creative and most unique of my social medias because huh. I have a lot of different kinds of stuff on here. Um, but my website is dustyslay.com. And starting in mid-June, I'll be in Huntsville, Alabama, and then my tour will, will start. And I'll be, it won't be every weekend, but it'll be pretty much every weekend for the rest of the year that I'll awesome. be out somewhere doing comedy somewhere in the country. Awesome. Book schedule. Go look it up, dustyslay.com. We'll make sure to tag the YouTube in the description of this video as well. Thank you again. Great to meet you. Yeah, thank you very much. I appreciate you having me.